0: Okay, so today's reading is taken from Genesis chapter 28, verse 10 to 19. Is that right? I'm going to have to use my fan because I'm so hot. <laughs> Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. There is none other than the house of God. This is done other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Only the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, where the city used to be called Lutz. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dyer, very much.
1: Can I borrow your fan, do you think? Do you mind if I... <laughs> dilated challenge for me this morning when I went to her to say um, you're still okay doing the reading Uh, she says yeah, yeah, I'm reading that passage at the moment, it's where her reading is in Genesis you can tell me all about it, she pretty much said, she didn't quite say that but uh, she uh, she sent me a challenge, but anyway we'll see hopefully we will all gain something from what I'm about to say Um, so September So we know it's Milford Baptist Church month of prayer. Um, Hopefully it's not the only month in the year where we pay attention to prayer, but hopefully it's a month where we pay particular attention to prayer. Last Sunday, Brian uh, spoke on the priority of praying together, corporate prayer in in relation to individual prayer, and he drew us attention to various scriptures, particularly in the book of Acts, which help uh, show us how important corporate prayer is, is or was in the life of the church the early church and how it needs to still be very much part of our life together as christians now originally in this short four sunday series on prayer the reading for today was going to be luke uh, chapter 10 verses 1 to 9 so that's i create the series right so i should know (laughs) Uh, but when i came to it um I decided to change it. I, I, recently I picked that Luke chapter, verse, those verses, because it includes that, that uh, verse 2, which says, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord, in our words, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send that workers into the field. And it obviously is a text that very, is very pertinent to this church. It's a meal for Baptist church. And it's also very relevant as we give thanks for the harvest as well. But in my preparation, I was drawn to Genesis 28. And uh, I decided that's what we should look at more closely uh, this morning Um, and really focus on what I've called the place of prayer. Now, I have to be honest, I don't know if you noticed in that reading of those verses, those 10 verses, uh, there's not one mention of prayer in the whole text, so you might think there's a slightly obscure text to pick as well. Uh, But I hope by the end uh, you will agree with me that it has much to say about the way we practice prayer as well and that's what we're really doing in this month of, of focusing the sunday message on prayer to continue to help us to equip ourselves for not just the prayer in september but for the prayer life we have both individually and together in the time that lies ahead so in september just to quickly recap last week we had priority of praying together brian today we talk- i'm talking about the place of prayer uh, from themselves Next Sunday, Hugo Anson is with us, and he will be talking about the power of prayer. And on the last Sunday, David Lucas is going to speak about the peace of prayer. So I'm hoping, as I say, these things are here to equip us and to to help us in our life of faith together. So let me now turn to this passage in Genesis 28. Broadly speaking, you can break it into three pieces. First of all, God in in the dream to Jacob speaking of his purposes and his promises. And then in the middle, we have what I'm calling Jacob's epiphany, when he suddenly wakes up to the, wakes up to the reality that, would you believe it, God is here. It's like, you know, he's, he, it shakes him, it shocks him when it happens, as I, I hopefully show. And then lastly, how he responds to that. And at the end of it, I'm going to be asking you a question. So you have to pay attention. I know it's a hot day. But how you you see that scripture informing or shaping our own prayer life, again, together and whatever. So let's look at Jacob's dream to start with. We're told that Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped the night because the sun had set. And he took up one of the stones there, and he put it under his head, and he lay down to sleep. So we're told that Jacob is setting out on a journey that takes him from Bathsheba to Haran. Now, this is not a short walk in the country. This is not just a, a of days journey. Bethsheba is located in the southern part of Israel. Haran is located in modern day Turkey. So pretty much 600 miles is what he's planning on doing. I don't know if any of you have done a 600 mile walk. I've done 100 miles or so, but I'm not going to do 600. If it be, the point is, it's a big journey, he's setting out on something significant, he's not just taking a walk in the park, OK? It would have taken many weeks to complete. And remember, in his day, it wasn't just the length of the journey that was the issue, it was the dangers present on the journey, from animals and from people, you know, it wasn't a safe pastime uh, to do. And you may also recall, as you look back in the scriptures, the reason Jacob is doing this is that he's running away from his older brother. Right? He's on the run. He tricked Esau, his brother, out of the birthright. And Isaac Isaac had blessed him and not Esau. And now he's on the run, running for his life. And obviously he felt he needed to put an awful lot of miles between him and Esau to be safe. So it seems while on this long journey, running away, he settles down one night in what appears to be, from the scripture, a fairly desolate place. It's a place where the only thing he can find to rest his head upon is a lump of stone. And he's probably exhausted from his days walking, and he falls to sleep, and he had a dream. He had a dream. He saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching all the way to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And there above it stood the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. And I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. So there in the middle of nowhere in that apparently empty place, maybe what you would consider a God-forsaken place, God speaks to Jacob in a dream, making himself first of all known as the God of his fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and promising that his descendants would own, own the land on which he was presently sleeping. A promise that was only fulfilled more than 400 years later when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and finally back to that same place. This land, which because of Jacob's dream, was still known to them, the descendants, many, many years later, as the promised land, the land that God had promised to Jacob. But this dream of Jacob's did not just have within it one tremendous promise but it was going to be 400 more years to come to fruition. It also included a a glimpse of a much greater promise, even further away in the future, a day when a stairway would be opened up between earth and heaven. The stairway gave Jacob a glimpse of the time that we as Christians see realized in the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of our Lord Jesus. Jesus, who through the cross, opened up a way between earth and heaven. For all who would look to him in faith. The images of the stairway on which angels are described, going up and down, and angels in the scriptures are messengers mainly. They do other tasks, but primarily they are God's messengers. So, as I was preparing, I was thinking, you know, I don't think it's too far to imagine this a bit as—and this is not meant to be disrespectful—as God's posties. Post men and women, as it were, going up and down to heaven, bringing messages. And there's, to me, an image of prayer here. That this gate, this stairway has been opened up. And as it were, our prayers are carried up to heaven. And God's response to our prayers is brought back down to earth. I think there's something there of prayer and the openness that we now have to God in prayer. You know, Jacob's image could have just been of people walking up and down, but it isn't. It's of messengers. So that's telling us something. You know, we like the idea of us walking up and down, but it isn't what the word says. Jacob in his dream glimpses that day, one, I believe, in which we now live, in which we have the freedom and we have the privilege to offer our prayers to God in such a free way. The staircase that Jacob saw was not gated. It wasn't going have bars on it. It didn't have a ticket machine. All right? It was open. It was open not just at certain times of the day, but at all times of the day. It's open for people like you and I, people who wish to bring our messages to God Almighty. In Christ. The door to heaven is always opened for our prayers. You may remember Jesus' teaching on prayer in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 9. He said, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. He could teach that because he knew that through his sacrificial life and death, that door would be flung wide open for us too. We can often get in the way of our own Prayers. But God in Christ does not. But God's message for Jacob doesn't even end there. He goes on. He says, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land promise of God's presence to be with his people is one that is very often repeated in the scriptures. In fact, the Hebrew scriptures quite often reference God as the God of Jacob and they're referencing back to this point, this dream, this encounter Jacob had with God that night in the middle of nowhere. Just as an example of that, Psalm 46 and verse 7, and there's many like this. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. And that little psalm is quite interesting. At the end it has that Salah little reference you see in your Bibles on the psalms. which I, And I always try and say to people, well, that's just telling you to stop and think about it. Don't just rush on to the next line. Stop and think about it. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, God would appear to Jacob at least five more times in the years ahead, But this first meeting was a significant one. From it, he learned that God was personally interested in him. Who am I? That God is mindful of me. But God is personally interested in you and in you and in you. We don't understand it. We never really understand it. But that is clear. From that night on, As long as he trusted in the Lord and obeyed his will, he really had nothing to fear. Jacob's dream is loaded with promises and blessings. Promises and blessings that took many, many years often to come to fruition. But ones that I believe can still encourage us right up to the present day. Encourage us to approach the throne of grace with confidence. And it's not as though God opened the door a little crack, as it were, to inquire who might be knocking. Instead, in Christ, it has been thrown open. And we are invited to pray to him anytime, anywhere, everywhere, to allow our prayers, as it were, to be carried, to ascend, and for God to speak back to us as they descend, as it were, on that staircase, a staircase of grace, established for us solely through the cross of Christ. So that was Jacob's dream, but now let's turn to how he responds to it. In verses 16 and 17, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely God is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Yeah, okay. And then 17, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. It's almost like he starts off in wonder, but then there's a sense of awe and wonder. Jacob's response is both about fear and surprise, wonder and, and awe. And that's why I picked this little slide. Sometimes we need to wake up to the wonder of a prayer we have in Christ of the access we have to God in Christ we need to wake up and wonder God was in that place and he hadn't even realized it I imagine we can all relate to that sometimes we only see what God as we look back over our shoulders don't we we realize he actually has been there all along for us and this sense of fear of the Lord, this sense of, yeah, fear. You know, Proverbs 1 and verse 7, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And Jacob's response of wonder and holy fear is the right response for us before a God of awesome power. He had discovered that he could encounter God in the most unlikely of places, and that if his eyes were open, even a barren wasteland could be called the house of God, Bethel. Because God himself is there. Now Jacob would eventually end up being away from his father's house for the next 20 years. But in all of his travels, from that point on, the Lord, the Lord would be his dwelling place. It says the word, the house of God came with him as he journeyed through distant lands we don't need to be in a temple we don't need to be in a church we don't need to be in a synagogue in order to worship God this text reminds us I think of the wonderful presence of God wherever we are whether or not we recognise it God's presence is not conditional on us recognising him we are the ephemeral God is God Psalm 139, beautiful psalm. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of the sea, you are there. If I rise on the winds of the dawn, if I settle on the farthest side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely darkness can hide me, and the light become like night around me, even darkness will not be dark to you. Even my darkest day, my darkest night, is not darkness to God. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you, says the psalmist. That psalm, to me, draws that, his, our attention to both the wonderful promise there, the wonderful fact that God is, is with us and, and there, but also to a rather scary reality. But I also think it's so important when we think about prayer, there's always the door open, the, 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 there's ever-present invitation for prayer. The place of prayer for a Christian is not a physical place. We may have our favourite places, when we have a quiet time, we may have a, a room or a chair, we become comfortable in that setting, that's absolutely fine. Right. But the place of prayer is not a physical place. It is a point in time. It is when we choose the here and now and recognise the way we can, as it were, lift up our voice to God. We sometimes seem to forget that here and now and make excuses and substitute it for somewhere else, maybe when I come to church on Sunday, and later... And often when we do that, we lose that opportunity. As Christians, we have no reason not to pray wherever we are, facing whatever situations we have to face in our daily lives. There may be times of great joy, but they may also be times of great sadness. We don't need to put that time off. We don't need to wait for a prayer meeting. Although it's good to come together to pray. God is there, he's with us. The door in Christ is open. God has amply provided for us in Christ, anytime, anywhere. And yet we can sometimes be so slow to receive that, to believe in that, and to act on that, turning to him in prayer and worship. So what does Jacob do? His response is in verse 18. His response to the dream is this realisation that God was present and he feels the need to worship God, which is a very natural response as we become aware of God's presence and naturally we turn to worship. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he placed his head upon, he set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on top of it. Just once there was enough light to see, Jacob took that stone on which he'd been laying his head He turned it upright into a pillar in order to memorialise this tremendous experience that he'd had that night. By pouring oil on the stone, he consecrates it to the Lord. He didn't use the stone as an altar to make a sacrifice. He simply set it apart as a memorial. that place was always going to be a very special, special place for Jacob and the Israelite nation. Maybe you can recollect times in your own walk of faith where you were suddenly surprised by God's presence. Wonderful thing I found in this sometimes occasions that this happened to me. It's normally when we do not expect it that God turns up. You know, if we're waiting for Him, we can wait a long time. It seems to me, but God seems to delight in surprising us. But maybe you have times, I'd say, where you can recollect that you were suddenly surprised by God's presence. And you can probably remember where you were when that happened. And that space has become precious for you because of your encounter there. But that isn't the only place you can meet God. Sometimes people have these experiences and they try and go back to the same place. It doesn't work like that. You know, God is with us. The house of God, as it were, moves with us day by day. Jacob dedicated himself anew to the Lord that morning and he claimed the promises that God had made to him. God had promised to care for him, to be with him, to bring him back home safely. And Jacob Jacob affirmed his faith in God and sought to worship him and honor him in his life. The last verse says he called that place Bethel, the house of God. Or as Jacob described it in his, in his surprise and his awe, the very gates of heaven. Right there, under his nose, all the time, in that most unlikely of places. So, what does this teach us about prayer? Because that's what we're bringing it back to, you know, a month of prayer. As you reflect on that, is there anything that stands out for you that you feel is yeah, that's, that's helpful to remind me. Most of this we know, by the way, we just forget it, or we don't do it, all right? So don't be, don't be ashamed to say, you know. But what, did, what have you learned? Is there anything that's come out at all? The power of prayer, yeah, lovely, and that's Hugo Anson going to power of prayer, be here this, next Sunday. The power of prayer. Sorry again? The results of prayer, yes, yes, indeed. Thank you, Christy. The vote is for me. Absolutely. It's not, it's not strewn, it's not barred, it's not gated, it doesn't have a time machine on it. Oh, time's up, get out. <laughs> it's really open. <laughs> Anybody else? Right about right about Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, prep, yeah, don't feel like, oh God doesn't, that's not too little. God won't be interested in that. You taught scriptures say, bring all things to God. You know, bring all things to God. Yes, our, sometimes our, our prayers are little, but we are little, too. Yeah, so God, yeah, that's, not, yeah, that's no problem. But yeah, all things. So yes, the staircase is open. It's there. It's 24 by 7, anytime, anywhere. Our access to the Father through the Son. I think this passage also reminds us that uh, the importance of just recognizing we can pray now, we don't need to pray later. It reminds us about the fact that God sometimes is not recognized, but it doesn't mean that God is not present. And that presence, when we become aware of it in our prayers, is something that is rightly gives way to wonder and worship. But it's right also that it gives way to what the Bible describes as holy fear, awe at who God is. And that, who are you that you're mindful of me? That's a pretty awesome thought. And certainly from something in my own walk of life, but also in the testimony I hear from others as well. God does, God does seem to delight in turning up just when we don't expect him. That's not a scriptural point, but it certainly seems to be appear in scripture quite a bit to me as well. And also the last thing I just say to you about prayer and the place of prayer and, is I'm always stunned by the amazing faithfulness and the patience of God. If God has his plans, God knows what he's doing. And he can take as much time as he wants to get it done in the way that he wants it done. So sometimes we can be a bit hasty in prayer, we can be impatient in prayer. Sometimes I think we need to be patient in prayer as well, faithful but patient. So thank you for your input. Um, so there we have it. It's prayer. Place of prayer. Anytime, anywhere. Well, why not here? Now, not later. Carol is gonna lead us in our prayers in session a while, but won't spring you this on you yet. Going back to that little passage from Luke, the one I not discarded but put on one side. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, so ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Well, why don't we spend a few minutes now doing that? All right. Recognizing the access we have with God in Christ those angels, as it were, those heavenly posties. All right? Let us just pray for this church and for the harvest, that workers may come, be sent by God to come into this harvest field. I'm just going to leave silence. You may just wish to pray silently, and I'm absolutely fine with that. But if you want to lead us yourself in a prayer, then please, please do so as well. Let us pray.
0: your physical frivolity and your question
1: Amen.